Because the first time I saw Andre the Giant was probably like a lot of people my age, which was in The Princess Bride. Right. So he was always portrayed as like this gentle, sweet man in my right. mind. <laughs> and then you learn when you're 14, like, oh, he could drink a lot. So he was also cool. <laughs> and then... Can you... I'm still... I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on like... His beer shits. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, he the drank a hundred beers. A hundred and six. <laughs> That's a whole six pack on top of a hundred beers. <laughs> Welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, explain wrestling to new fan, my friend Rachel Millman. Hi, Rachel. Hi. How, how are, are you? you? I'm good. Uh, we haven't recorded in a while. We haven't. We uh, we recorded as much as we could pre-mania, and mm-hmm. then we had to go on like the downslope of coming back from that and drinking not as much as we did there. <laughs> and recovering. And recovering. My and voice like, is finally back. Your it voice took, is back. It took like this long. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, we have a guest today, and he's been a guest for a long time in the making, ever since we started this show, because he used to record his uh, show in my basement. The first couple episodes of the show are recorded on his mic. We have our friend and friend of the show, Jake Flores, is here. Hello. Fresh out of Guantanamo Bay. (laughs) Hello to uh, the Department of Homeland Security that's no doubt listening to this. Uh, because Jake has had quite a week. We won't, uh, he'll be talking about it, hopefully on some other uh, more dedicated uh, media (laughs) to this experience. But uh, can you give us a Cliff's Notes of what you've been through recently? I made a joke. (laughs) On Twitter. The next morning, the Department of Homeland Security busted into my apartment and asked me about the joke. And then we had a very weird, like, Coen Brothers-y sort of uh, conversation (laughs) with each other. And they left and told me they're probably still going to be keeping an eye on me. So hello, agent, whatever your name was. Didn't get a name. Well, they said to you, good luck on tour. They were trying to intimidate me by going like, yo, we stalked you. We know everything about you. Like, good luck it's on your, your tour. It's your pinned tweet. Yeah. That's not stalking. Yeah. You're not good at stalking. They're not even info. looking at your likes tab like a girl. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I have just recently discovered, I like never used to do that. And now I'm like the biggest like stalker. It's so gross. Oh, you should. It's really bad. It's <laughs> it's you talk to 2012 Rachel. It's an unhealthy habit. Uh. <laughs> I, I, that's why I admire people who just are like, no likes. You're not going to know about me. I don't like things on Twitter. I think if you could privatize your likes tab, people, everyone would go for it. Well, I'm like very willy nilly about it because I didn't know it was like a thing you could uh, like look at. So I just like whatever the fuck. It's How are you a Luddite? We're all so online. I just like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm very online in that I like am constantly yelling into the internet, but I'm not that online in like, I don't listen to anyone. <laughs> I like <laughs> to other people. Uh, I'm excited to tell my dad about this too, because he, my dad knows Jake and like, oh, like I've known Jake for like four years. You've known Jake for way longer than that. Yeah, eight, I think. Uh, yeah, Something like that? I don't know. It's a blur. <laughs> <laughs> the past is just a smear that starts somewhere in Austin for That's, me. It's not a blur. It's a smear. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely a smear. It's a past smear. Yeah. Um, so for the sh- so Jake is kind of the least uh, indoctrinated into the cult of wrestling of the three of us. Yeah, I would. So we are. We're the reason we have Jake on today. We're going to be talking about the Andre the Giant documentary. Um, but before we do that, I do want to know what is your uh, perspective or experience with professional wrestling. You have said, you said something really interesting to me. Uh, we were at a bar uh, and we were talking about, uh, I was, when we were just, I was just starting this podcast and you're like, you know, wrestling is really interesting because it's like, it's such an interesting art form that I would never think to invent if it did not exist. Yeah. It's really <laughs> weird to me. And I've, it's always been real alien and I've always looked at it and been like, what is this bizarre, like just bananas, weird thing. (laughs) It strikes me as like when you, you know, you go to Japan and you just don't understand like a game show and you're like, who came up with this? Like why or whatever. But the more I learn about it, it kind of makes sense to me. Like 
people sort of explained to me, oh, it comes from like sideshow and this like turn of the century, get up on top of a wooden box, sort of, you know, bark <laughs> people in sort of uh, show business culture. And I get it. I also think that I understand a little bit about what's going on with like the masculinity shit. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I went to a hardcore show the other night and I was thinking a lot about like the the outlet that men don't have for just wanting to fight very very clearly exists. There are a lot of guys, yeah. you know, <laughs> like way too into it, going through, the, through something in their head. So there are, there's on some level, somebody described wrestling to me, I think it might have been you, as a, like like a, like drag for like masculinity or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's all, I'm learning about it. Honestly, I forgot that the premise of this show was that you were explaining wrestling to Rachel because Rachel's now so far down the rabbit <laughs> yeah, hole. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> A lot of people have said that to me of like, you are so far down the rabbit hole because of the specific route that Kath has taken me through it. I don't know that much about WWE wrestling, Uh but like if you mention certain indie factions, I'm like, I go full mark so quickly. Well, like you just like, you have been so... Because I think people hear that that's the premise of the show and they think it's me trying to sell Rachel on wrestling and like that's absolutely not what it is because she is like as into it if not more into it than I am. (laughs) We went to we fucking went to WrestleMania which was seven hours long. It was our fifth wrestling show of the weekend. Everyone we were with, we were all like, okay, we're gonna leave during the main event. And Rachel's like, can we? Let's just stay for like. Let's their just stay entrances. for like half of it. Like <laughs> I hadn't seen their entrances. She I wanted, wanted to see so it. Like, she is not. She is. Well, you know, very into it. I'm just generally an enthusiast in ways that sometimes verge on unhealthy, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, you guys can wrestle splain to me in this I episode. I love it. I love it. I do not. I don't know. Well, this turned out to kind of be a perfect introductory thing for you because. I noticed it's kind of the document we the because we had you watch the Andre the Giant documentary. Um, it's kind of structured very similar to the, the list where they like they teach you a term, they teach you the roots of it, and then you go from there. So I'm actually really glad that we had this intro and this opportunity for you. Because yeah, I learned things. It was yeah. fun. <laughs> well, I, I also Sorry. think that this was an interesting episode for you because like you might not necessarily know. You might not necessarily be like an educated watcher of wrestling, but you are a person who works in show business. And you also, I feel like, I don't know if this is fair to say, I feel like you have like an interest in carnies. Yeah, like, totally. That's, you like are into carnies. As soon as someone said that I to me, I was like, very, oh, now I get wrestling. <laughs> I think it's a very fair thing to say to yeah. Jake. So like Jake likes carnies. Jake understands show business. And also like uh, we were just talking about like, you understand sort of propaganda because you're someone who is interested in politics and stuff. And this is a, this documentary is full on propaganda. Yeah, no, which is now very I get interesting. It. Halfway through watching it, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! Like, <laughs> this is also fake. Everything's well, fake." <laughs> I just want to say that an educated watcher of wrestling sounds like a really good kink song, and like, <laughs> I'm just sad it hasn't been written. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this this was interesting, but we want to talk about Andre, sort of Andre himself before Andre the documentary version. Yeah, this was an interesting watch for me because even though I'm like the wrestling, uh, the quote unquote expert on the show, which I'm absolutely not an expert and I get things wrong all the time, but I like, I, I know... Um, Sorry, I'm distracted because there's an adorable kitten walking on, walking over me as I speak. Oh yeah, we found a kitten outside of my apartment. <laughs> he's inside the apartment now. He's extremely cute. Um, he's a little fuck. He's a little fucker. <laughs> We've been, we don't have a name for him yet, so we're just calling. I've been calling him Little Kazu sometimes. You should call he, him Andre the Giant. He's so tiny. He's you so know? tiny. Um, he's kind of a Dustin in spirit, but I feel <laughs> weird naming him after. A wrestler who I talk to once in a <laughs> while <laughs> by saying, please say happy birthday to my friend oh, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't recorded an episode since then. Rachel bothered Dustin to say happy birthday to me. And he did it because he's a sweetheart. He was very nice. Uh- <laughs> um, what was I saying? Fuck. Oh, yeah. This was interesting to me just because I don't know a lot about this era of wrestling. And the one thing I think that the documentary does it in an interesting way, which I don't know if I love the way they do it, but it, it is, they do talk about the evolution of wrestling from the territorial era into the, um, 
WWF sort Which of I supremacy. Which I didn't know how that worked, so yeah. I was completely elated by that. Yeah, so, like, it was interesting for me for that reason, and also, like... People, the, a lot of this documentary talks about WrestleMania three, which is like one of the biggest moments in wrestling history that I like didn't really know that much about. So I learned a lot from it. Um, I I definitely learn is an interesting word. <laughs> I feel like I, I was told I put things in my head that are taking up space now. I don't know how useful they're going to be to my life, but um, they're in there. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I thought that that was really interesting too, the way the the cable network thing came together because it like sort of pieced together this missing link between like the stuff that I'm kind of fixated on, the old Carney stuff, and then yeah. how we got to cable because it was like small like local news, you know, or local television network factions yeah. just peppered throughout the country, you know, state by state, and then cable, you know, smeared all of them together. Um, and that's where now, now when I look at wrestling on TV, I'm oh, okay. I can see how it all, how that became a thing, which answers the question that I had at the beginning, which is like, how did this come about? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why is this? Why is this the way it is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I didn't really know that much about Andre the person, but the stuff that I thought was the most interesting in this was just the way people were talking about how like this was a guy. In Gene Okerlund had a lot of good quotes on this. I really liked him. He was I like so insightful. Gene. I love Gene. <laughs> I love who is uh, Tim White. Oh, his friend. His assi- oh my god. Yeah, his assistant's incredible in it. But Gene, all of Gene's insights and Gene's specific. Who? Gene, Gene Okerlund, he was the guy, he's the... Um, was he the make-a-fart guy? He was the yeah. make-a-fart yeah. guy. His, he was being interviewed in his, what looked like his like Florida retirement home, uh, which I really liked. He had a, such a specific syntax that was like, he even said make-a-fart. Like he made, <laughs> First of all, this documentary is a great watch because there's a section on farting, so like you, go for it. Yeah. But... It's his specific syntax is so beautiful, and he's still trying to bring dignity to the statistically the least dignified thing. <laughs> there's no, there's a very little dignity in this. Wrestling is at an all time high right now, currently, and last night two guys kicked each other in the nuts at the same time. Yeah, there was a there was a double disqualification because they both simultaneously kicked each other in the nuts. Oh, and that was on a pay-per-view that people paid for. That we almost paid to go see <laughs> That we live. almost went to go see. Uh, but it's just, it's the, the the pathos that they give to this is so great. So, well, the thing the thing I was going to say is that the, the thing that Gene said that I was thinking about a lot through this was he said that this was a man who was living in a world that was not made for him. And that was sort of the tragedy of this documentary and it like it made me very emotional a lot just thinking about how much this person struggled just that like everything he did was just so much harder because of his size like he made it he, he made it his career and everything but he had to travel and when he traveled you know there was the whole thing about him having to piss and shit in a bucket on a plane to Japan <laughs> so did he take a shit in the bucket I mean he, he was here on a 14 hour flight oh, right, and he yeah. drank like crazy right. we've all had can you imagine that guy's shits <laughs> oh my god oh my god like a horse oh no <laughs> oh, Andre no. the giant shit no <laughs> but like it, that he I, I feel like that's true in sort of more ways than one, you know, like that's he just and, takes it in the street like a police horse, <laughs> <laughs> like still walking. Yeah. Standing up still. <laughs> I really like he has this quote in it that, I mean, if somebody were to say right now, they would be ripped apart in a thousand quote <laughs> tweets on Twitter where he talks about like. They make ramps for the blind. They help out the disabled. Yeah. There's nothing for me. It's He doesn't say it in 100% 2018 woke language. And like, no, the, the blind aren't always considered. What is it? Like only like 18% right, I don't think, of subway stations. I don't think he but, was saying that as in like, oh, these blind people have it too easy. No, it's but just you like, could, like, they don't have anything. There's no movement like that for me. Exactly, what about people exactly. that are huge? <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I, uh, I, but I just was watching it and I was just, you, unfortunately, because my brain is broken, that's immediately what I launched into of like, imagine this being taken out of like the worst possible context <laughs> and the worst possible faith. Even though you know what he's trying to say, which There'd is that some, like, 
New York Daily News headline like uh, Andre the Giant Racist? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also there's Nate's already nervous about because we always make jokes about how racist wrestling is. You, and you can see him <laughs> every week. Uh, there's a lot of there's a part in this documentary that just made me kind of laugh. It, it was an accidental insight into the type of old money racism that the McMahons have, where Hogan is talking. Well, they're about, not old money; they're carnies. They are multi generational carnies. I guess the better phrasing is the antiquated racism that they have. Of like, they're talking about how Hogan is talking about how they developed his last name, and he's like, "Oh, they have this. They have this guy for the Italians. Oh, they yeah. have this guy for that. They need one for the Irish." And like, it immediately struck me that like wrestling still has like well we have a black guy oh, absolutely. and then but they like still got into the nuances of like the different white people in there because the different white people need like very specific representation and i thought <laughs> that that was so funny in a way that they didn't intend it to be and it would it said a lot about them that they weren't planning to say of like yeah no we've been racist forever oh yeah well there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of irony in the way that they talk about how Andre was exploited and like they say over and over again he was an attraction he was an attraction and I thought it was really interesting too when they're talking about the old territorial days where like this was someone that you hadn't seen you just heard about him because there wasn't the internet and he was it was regional territory days so you if you weren't living in a territory where he had been you wouldn't have seen him on tv you wouldn't have seen him live you just see his picture in a wrestling magazine and then you would go see him um but but so they talk about how like he was a draw he was an attraction everybody's like the vince mcmahon says like the the first thing i thought when i saw this guy was like you could i could make a lot of money with him or like you could make a lot of money with him yeah so they say that but then they act so like remorseful about that exploitation without like acknowledging that they were the ones sort of exploiting him. It was just like a weird like disconnect or like a dissonance between how this was talked about sort of in the beginning of the documentary and at the end when they're talking about his sort of decline and they're like, Oh, he can't let go of wrestling like he can't leave and it's like we well, can't leave because you didn't give him fucking health insurance like yeah, he yeah. Can't, you know I, I heard somewhere that a lot of the wrestlers end up being sort of like taken care of really well by whoever they work for because like the, they sign this Faustian deal where like they're going to destroy your body and mind with this mm-hmm. thing so like now it's gotten better or something like that but Vince McMahon had this we- he was he was the worst actor in terms of pretending to be remorseful about Andre the Giant <laughs> Yeah, that Rachel and I were talking about that a lot. Like, also, Vince McMahon looks like a specific type of Pokemon called a Machamp. Look it up; (laughs) it's got weird hair like him. Oh wow, he does look like a Machamp. (laughs) He's also a wrestler. Yeah, he's a there's a wrestler Pokemon. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. Um, well, Pokemon is wrestling, but all anime is wrestling, and wrestling (laughs) is anime. But Mm. so before we what we watched in addition to this, which we should probably get into first, right? is we watched one of Andre's old matches in Japan because this is a documentary produced by WWE. They're not going to talk about his time in New Japan that much. They just say like, oh, he went to Japan and that was it. So we watched Andre in his younger and in his prime. Uh, well, actually, we don't know when his prime was really. Well, we, so we watched, yeah, we watched a match from, I think, 1981. So he actually was working for WWF at this time. It's interesting because... He, Vince at this time he he had wrestlers sign exclusivity contracts with him for the US but he would lend people out to Japan yeah because because there wasn't you know accessibility to that stuff so it's like it's not hurting his business to put yeah to let them go to Japan so yeah I most people I think say his prime was in the territory days which unfortunately not a lot of um, footage, footage exists exist. of yeah um, but yeah so we we watched him versus Stan Hansen which uh, people say is like one of his best matches we didn't watch the whole thing but we got we got kind of an idea of of him and it's you know it's old wrestling so it's not super athletic super technical like the stuff we watch today but you do get a sense of just like this man could like crush your head like a fucking grape like (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I there's a great point in the documentary where they talk where they sort of it's a very 
dignified in its own right introduction to his uh, like assistant and best friend that guy taught Todd it was I think so yeah uh, which I was so heartbroken when I saw him because it made me realize like that guy's not that old he's not that you old. know like and he was working with Andre the Giant like it just really drives home the fact that like he died so young of the documentary they go he had a heart attack and he died at 46 years old and you're like what <laughs> yeah. I thought we were watching an entire lifespan but he was like <laughs> Yeah. Not that old. Not yeah. that old. All this yeah. happened like real quick. And again, when we're talking about uh, wrestlers committing to destroy themselves for wrestling, like he chose not to be treated for his acromegaly so he could wrestle. Right. Like I, that's why he died. I yeah. Like, like, they crazy. talk about how he went to a doctor and they were like, okay, well, clearly we can't reverse it. Well, yeah, duh. You can't reverse his gigantism, like shrink him back down or something. <laughs> <laughs> but then they also said he refused treatment for it because of wrestling. So, yeah, that is very sad. I really enjoyed the doctor because the doctor in the middle of it just kind of naturally doesn't plan to reiterate. He's just like very casually like, well, that's the biggest fella I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, he is the biggest person you've ever seen. And with so they do a lot of references to how big his hands are. They show a clip of what I assume was a standard joke he did on late night where they have him compare hands and then he just puts his hand on someone's head. He did that a couple times in this documentary. Oh, it's 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 a a great bit. bit. It is a killer bit. Uh, But I, I I paused because I thought about it because we have a lot more of these bigger guys now. Like everyone in wrestling is big, right? Uh, well, not everyone. A lot. Most of the people in wrestling are big. Andre the Giant was huge. I was thinking about. I was thinking about basically Braun Strowman and Jake. You don't know who he is. If I say Braun Strowman to you, you can probably visualize what he's like. That's what he looks like. He looks <laughs> like his name is Braun Strowman. Braun, he is. I met him in the airport after we went to Mania. He is bar none the biggest person I have ever seen up close. He was just staggeringly huge. And he's like he's eight massive. inches smaller than... He was... Yeah, he's eight... He's six eight. Andre the Giant... He's billed as six eight. Andre the Giant is billed as 7'4". Right. I can't conceive of how much bigger he was, even though I was close. Whoa. Showing Jake Braun Strowman in a get these hands t-shirt <laughs> Braun Strowman Very funny I love shirt. him He's, uh, you would also really like Braun Strowman because they have him do a lot of carny shit cool yeah. oh he his whole thing is that he just um, he just uh, when he's mad will just pick stuff up and tip it over such as <laughs> a car such as a car uh, uh, one time he fought a guy and they put him in the back of an ambulance and then he tipped the ambulance over it's fucking sweet it's he's, really good he's great <laughs> Um, That's funny as hell. He he sort of has the same Andre the Giant issue where you think they're pitching his voice in post production because he's so big he sounds like he's slower. His his register makes him sound like he's talking slower than he is. Right. Uh, And that was another big thing that I had. I remember the first French accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The first time I watched The Princess Bride, I was like. Oh, they must have like m- messed with his voice somehow. I just assumed that because yeah. like just he's so big and his, his the baritone is insane. Yeah. Well, it's interesting like to Hello, compare <laughs> to compare like somebody like Braun Strowman to him because we <laughs> born opportunity. <laughs> well, like so much of the way that um quote unquote giants like the big guys are booked comes from what they did with Andre and like the, the idea of like that he's like the, the king of the Royal rumble where he just picks people up and throws them out of the ring. Like like, that's what they do with, with big guys now. Like that's their whole thing. Ron's the clearer. Right. He clears out the whole ring and then they have him fight the final guy. Right. Exactly. Uh, And that's what they clearly had Andre do. But Um, fun fact, um, Braun Strowman is not like this, but the, the, um, a lot of the big guys in WWE over the years have also suffered from acromegaly, but have had um, operations to get the tumor removed. So, yeah. like, Big Show has the same disease as Andre the Giant. Uh. Um, the Great Kali has the same disease as Andre the Giant. DJ I just think Khaled? Does Big Cat yes, have- DJ Khaled. <laughs> does Big Cat have that? that? He's pussy? seven feet tall. He's seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. But no, he's just a, he's just big. <laughs> <laughs> At least to my to my knowledge, I was reading about this disease, and they had a list of people who suffered he from it. Have the features of that. Exactly. With, like the forehead, and stuff. the forehead and the jaw. And you know, what I kept wondering about the whole time I was watching him, like if they had 
prevented the gigantism what the human would have looked like like regular yeah. andre it would be really cool to be able to see like a computer generation of like you know oh i think he would have been hot i feel like when he was young it was less pronounced and he was like pretty hot like when he was when they were showing that interview of him being a lumberjack i was like all right he was adorable but he was also like 17 yeah he still had baby fat (laughs) yeah which is so funny to think about like baby fat on andre the giant because they show because we you don't think of him before this disease hit him so when they show a normal size baby you're like that's not right (laughs) this is a fake baby Uh, but so I think the feeling that a lot of us got when watching this giant baby (laughs) I really (laughs) the worst (laughs) poor mother (laughs) but it it makes sense because it's a pituitary thing so it's like it's growth hormones so it gets worse sort of the older you get like when you hit puberty I think I read that that like didn't he like never stop growing yeah, he never stopped. He just like kept growing his whole life because wow. of this like growth hormone. Well, yeah, because they say it at the end is that he's growing so much that his body was literally crumbling underneath him. And yeah, well, his joints couldn't support. Where there's a such a, there's a really grody shot that they have of like the incision marks on his knee and on his ankle and on his leg. Yeah. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. It really yeah. is. And and it's just they talk. There's so much that they touch on on this. But I think a big thing that we all kind of hit independently and then talked about is that this is a good documentary, but it's it's documentary entertainment. It's a work. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even say it's documentary entertainment. I would say it is propaganda. Yeah. Well, documentaries. I'm just making a joke about sports entertainment, documentary <laughs> <Sure>. entertainment. <laughs> documentaries historically don't really, they're not legally bound in any way to the truth. And um, you take like film classes, they talk about, uh, what is that, Nanook of the North, like that one where they just sort of faked oh, yeah. all this. Like the, like the first big documentary was just completely fake, right? It was about this. Eskimo or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not well, well versed on it, but if you watch like film, uh, you know, dorky film stuff like the history of film, they start with that and they explain, you know, documentaries have always been about a narrative. Um, like as for, a person making a documentary right now, we have to establish a narrative. Yeah. Right. And so you get into this murky territory where you are allowed to tweak things and work them a little bit to to get your narrative across but that allows people to do things that are unethical sometimes and then sometimes you have really good documentaries that are ethically just telling a story but like an example of this is such as line in the street <laughs> part two line on YouTube in the street now a good documentary check it out being you, made by me <laughs> um the, uh, the the durst guy the, the the jinx the jinx that guy if you look into this um they documentary they knew all sorts of stuff about him that they left out of the documentary because if they had told it in chronological order it would have been way more obvious yeah like he had had apparently uh, I think the story is he had like nine different dogs and they were all named the same thing and they all kept disappearing and <laughs> they were named after one of the people. Stuff like that, right? Yeah. So like there's this level with documentaries where, you, I mean, it, you have kind of a, another layer of what I am to understand is going on in wrestling also where you play with the narrative and what's true and what's not true. Yeah. And so you just peel it like an onion or whatever. They... They're very they they deal with that interestingly in this. Obviously, they don't um, they they aren't as cagey. They aren't as cagey and like sort of self referential as like uh, you know like a more like sort of Arturist documentary or anything. But they do the way that they put it together. It does encourage you to think about that because like they have the whole section about his farts and there's like all these awesome it's lies. It's all lies. <laughs> it's, like, it's so funny. Like they, it's, I think Hogan is telling a story where it's like he would fart on the plane. Yeah, Hogan talks about it. And the pilots would be like crying. <laughs> They'd be like, you can't, you're going to crash the plane. <laughs> like they have that and then they talk about. And then about, Vince talks about how he told people how he had two rows of teeth. Yeah. Which is kind of like the first time I found Vince really likable that he came up with a lie that good. But it did make me think about Andre's teeth because Andre probably has normal sized teeth. He does, teeth, but they look so small. But they look so right. tiny. Yeah. So it gives him an even weirder look. And when he smiles, your brain goes like, well, did they just keep going? Like, how far do they go? Exactly. They go all the way around. Uh, but, so they talk about that, then they talk about his drinking and, and these like stories of, of his... Um, you know, incredible like feats of alcoholism. <laughs> and, and, but then right after that, they go into the thing where they're it's, they're talking about like 
you could say anything about him and people would believe it. Right. So they, they juxtapose those things of like, we're telling you all these stories, but also he's such a, and they, and then at the very end, like the last thing they say about him is like, this is, this is a real life myth. This is like, this is our sort of like, Paul Bunyan, you know, like, yeah, yeah, and they he's a real guy, Paul- but he's also a myth. So they're like, they're building this myth even as they talk about him as a person. Yeah. Or you can say, I'm sorry. Oh, just because they, they, they compare him to real life mythology and they're basically right. saying he's our most recent one. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a really insightful thing and that poor guy didn't have a makeup team. So we, <laughs> well, yeah, we had some, uh, we have some thoughts about Dave Meltzer's skin as well as, uh, Dave Shoemaker, but I feel sort of I don't I don't the feel only, bad for Meltzer. I feel kind of bad for Shoemaker. I the don't. only man with like decent looking skin in it is Carrie Elwes. Exactly. Who isn't puffy anymore. Good for him. I think he's had some he's had some work, but it's been good work. It was good work. Yeah. Uh the person who looks the best in this movie in this movie is Robin Wright. Like physically oh, yeah, the obviously. best. They hint at how exploited he was, but Billy Crystal's in it. Billy Crystal exploited Andre the Giant's entire life for a shitty, essentially lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah. That I'm pretty sure I saw in theaters. It yeah, was called My Giant. My Giant. Oh yeah. And the but it's also basically about Andre the Giant. And I remember the line where like his heart is the size of a baseball club. He uh, baseball glove. He can't get surgery. Um, and I remember that was one of the big things that I had subconsciously going into this. But like. Billy Crystal's kind of a turd too. Yeah. Like we all know the jazz man. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a question also of like, from uh, carny stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I forgot the jazz man is carny stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's, I don't, it's just kind of wild to think about. Like I'm sure Billy Crystal thinks he would, he probably was friends with Andre the giant and he probably did have, a he was, I mean, they him. worked on princess bride together. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But you still made money off of him after he died. Right. Well, that's everybody in this movie is, is stands to gain from, from this, uh, this story because they're all people who made money off of him. Yeah. And that's, I want to talk about how, Hogan centric this documentary was right. Oh which my is god, very interesting. So oh. I will say this before we get into it. I will say you can't talk about Andre the Giant without talking about Hulk Hogan. Like he had to factor into this because he, as much as that WrestleMania three match is like not a super compelling watch out of context, it was like the biggest thing that ever happened yeah. in wrestling. So like you have to talk about Hogan. That said. They spend so much time rehabilitating Hulk Hogan in this. Oh, the sell on this movie to me is not Andre the Giant. Don't you love him now? You already loved Andre the Giant because you love the Princess Bride. If you click play on this, you're not going like Andre the Giant. I don't know about that guy. You already like him. And I think it's kind of just sadistically smart in the way it does it because I am of the opinion that Vince knows now. Vince McMahon knows people hate him. Vince McMahon knows. Oh, completely. He was a heel on television for 20 years. Vince McMahon knows that people think he's an unmitigated piece of shit. Um, And so you tune into it thinking like, I wonder how they're going to rehab Vince. So all of your attention is on like, oh, are they rehabbing Vince right now? Are they rehabbing Vince right now? And Hogan, to his credit, is naturally very likable in it. Yeah, it and really it, took me for a ride because, like, my same. first instinct when I see Hulk Hogan as an immature person and a fucking online joke idiot is I like, had so much fucking sushi. Uh, well, I was, no, it was just all the N-word stuff. Oh, was I was just, thinking about the sex tape, yeah. Uh, God, there's, like, a bunch of those yeah. things. They're all horrible, right? And those are the first things that pop into your head. But, like, he, they really structured it to where, you know, about, like, 20 minutes into listening to him talk, I was like compelled with what he was talking about. And then I went, wait a minute. No, yeah. I was right the first time. I mean, there's a reason soccer. There's a reason he was like the biggest fucking thing in wrestling. It's because right. he's incredibly charismatic. Yeah, and it even I you even watched that happen in the notes I took of like, uh, Hulk Hogan is coming off like a human in this, his Andre impressionist killer. And it's true. He has a really entertaining and sweet Andre impress- impression. And then later in the notes, I was like, wait a fucking minute, hold on, I'm being worked here. And it's, I don't love that, but 
in terms of it is it's like wrestling in itself like yeah maybe yeah, there's documentary bad people. entertainment like you said it's documentary entertainment it's there may like yeah maybe the people making this aren't good but did i leave entertained did i leave feeling the emotion they wanted me to feel i did so i think that's fascinating yeah uh there's it's like a Vince funny man played the heel Am I understanding this right? Yes, yeah. you are. You okay. got it. You got absolutely, it absolutely. Vince McMahon <laughs> played the heel in this documentary. Hulk Hogan played the face, which is how it. Which again, this is a this is a um, out of kayfabe documentary, but it is produced by WWE, and so there are still elements of kayfabe WWE, which always has Vince McMahon as the heel. You know, like this is. This is furthering the narratives of all of the WWE universe, even though it is talking about other stuff. He's good at that because he's always wearing a suit and he's always sweating. Yeah. (laughs) Also, uh, somebody pointed out he sounds like Frank Oz. Like, he sounds like Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) He's like Grover Yoda. I just... His... They do his... They they are not using the right foundation on him because it looks a little yellowy and they need to be matching his natural... uh, Because, like, Vince McMahon's cosmetic procedures are just I I want to know and I I want to know (laughs) all of this also that we're talking about like this is a work Vince is a heel Hogan is a face all of that stuff about how he didn't know the finish of Wrestlemania 3 that is all bullshit like that is absolutely not true it got me it got me for a second (laughs) and then I watched the match and was like oh wait no they lied that's what happened to me when I was watching this when I realized as he was explaining the match I was like oh this dude has this hyper calculated brain like he understands how to fake these things and I was like he's doing it to us like as he's showing us how he did it at the show there was like two (laughs) weird meta it was like a Charlie Kaufman movie you know well the fact that they, they like show the notes like those notes still exist like I'm sure those notes existed in some capacity but the fact that they're like clearly had some production assistant write them all out (laughs) is so and like they showed shots of it that's the work but yeah it is interesting that he's it's the work is in part of the work is him explaining how he worked another thing it's like it's all these levels of it but it's like it's just so funny to me how I tweeted this last night, but I really believe it. One, I think one of the funniest and like best things about wrestling culture is that it's totally okay to just lie to make things more interesting. <laughs> like it's just like it's again full on carny shit. Every prominent uh, figure in the wrestling world, wrestlers, uh, producers, McMahon's, journalists, all of them are known liars like and it rules it's so funny to me they lie about attendance numbers they lie about shit like this of like these backstage stories they just make it all up and it's great because it's entertainment yeah uh, it doesn't matter like yeah. they well that is the entertainment of, that is exactly the entertainment. exactly they it is all for us like this is this documentary is for marks if you're watching this, you're getting worked. And that's yeah. like what it's for. And it's great. Yeah. I uh, I thought they, they kind of fuck it up a little bit because they keep saying like, oh, Hogan didn't know the extent of his injuries. Hogan didn't know the extent of his injuries. And then Hogan's talking about how he was supporting him through the injuries and like making sure he was OK, which in itself is bullshit, because if you wanted to make sure he was OK, you wouldn't have had a man with a crumbling back fucking wrestle. But you did. Right. It's very I mean, it's, fascinating. It's a lot. Not like we watched because we were at Mania and we watched Cena and The Undertaker. Oh. Like it's very similar. Of like, of course he knew his injuries because he had to pr- he had to protect him and make that match work. Yeah. Like you you don't you wouldn't go in not being told that your opponent is in serious dire straits yeah. physically. Like yeah. that, of course you know that. Um, there's a really funny part in. Uh, the documentary where somebody says Hulk Hogan is everything Vince McMahon wants a wrestler to be, which I know they mean it as in like he's big, he's a big blonde tan hunk. Yeah, but also it's like Hulk Hogan is everything Vince McMahon wants a wrestler to be: racist, <laughs> conservative, uh, litigious, <laughs> like just like journalism destroyed, an asshole. Yeah, just, yeah, like a bad person, weirdly hot daughter that sort of looks like him. That's just, everything Vince had. <laughs> yeah, that, I just thought that was very funny, but uh, it's true. Like that is the archetype for what he looks for. In, I in just a wrestler. it's. I was thinking about it because it does. It really does show 
in its own way, even as we're sort of, you know, smarking this and picking this apart, it shows how good Hogan is. And it shows, you said this earlier, why he was such a huge star, because he is just factually, insanely charismatic. This entire movie to me, and I wrote this down last night, and it was probably like a little manic and crazy, but I still believe it, is that this entire doc- Hulk, Hulk's purpose in this documentary is to is to cut a promo, not yeah. for his wrestling, not for his past, but so you think Hulk Hogan is a good person again, and the, he cuts a pretty decent promo. It's the, not the best promo because we're talking about it right now, but it's a promo. He's cutting a promo. It probably worked on somebody. Oh, it, it worked on a lot of people. The WWE wants nothing more than to be allowed to have Hogan back in their in the picture because he's such a huge star and so important to like the history of their company. They are very invested in making him look good and they have been hinting at a comeback for him for a while. Like after the sex tape and the N-word and all of that, they severed ties with him because that was the right PR move at the time, but they desperately want him back. Yeah. Like and it's clear from this documentary that they want him back. Yeah. It's uh this is this is watching this is watching a Marvel movie that's midway to like Infinity War where they're yeah. they're world they're world building. Um it's just I also really like when Hogan says thirty five years ago, back when I had hair. Hogan's never had hair. You did not yeah. have hair thirty five years ago, man. Well, this dude that's been balding for his entire life somehow. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in his prime and his hairline is at like the Stevie Wonder spot <laughs> on his head. <laughs> and the weird thing is is that maybe it's because of like how the lower quality of the TVs and the tan and the baby oil. Hogan almost looks younger now than he did when he was a huge star because he's not wet and tan. <laughs> Am I crazy or did he have an asymmetrical mustache at some point? I might have just been looking at a TV from a weird angle, but he has those <laughs> handlebars and when they hang down kind of low. And at one point, I swear for like one shot, one of them was hanging down and then the other one just stopped at his mouth. <laughs> Dude, maybe the mustache is a work. Maybe that's the also fake. The mustache is 100% a work. Everything's lie. <laughs> it's a must- lace front mustache. <laughs> uh, yeah, One time I, on uh, America's Next Top Model, they gave somebody lace front eyebrows. and I remember that episode. For, yes, yeah. it's so good. Lace front facial hair is so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the most carny moments in this, I think, is obviously they're trying to put Hogan over in like the biggest way. But also there's a part where they're talking about WrestleMania three and Hogan's getting incredibly emotional and he's crying and he's talking about body slamming Andre, which again, you get a little bit of how revisionist WWE history is. Even in this documentary, they sort of admit it. Cause they're like, people had body slammed Andre before it's, it's happened, but like it didn't they happen have, here. Like they, it, they fought before they had fought tons of times, right? They were billing it. They was, they say, I think verbatim, if it happened before De- WrestleMania three, it didn't happen. Exactly. This is the day I'd fought before, but it was it was back when uh, before the cable thing. Yes. yes. So they so were no just one knew. pretending it didn't exist, which is shades of how the WWE works today. Because you have all these indie res- wrestlers, and you have New Japan, which is probably their biggest competitor, and they don't they don't they basically don't exist in the universe of the WWE. They just say in Japan and that's it of just like, Oh, you wrestled in Japan, which means like all of Japan, which is very funny. Yeah. Like most other wrestling promotions sort of share in the same universe. Like they can continue stories from other promotions in their promotions if they have the same people. Mm. But in WWE, you get to WWE, they change your name. You don't have any sort of like history of feuds or anything like, or if you do, it's very obliquely, uh, referred to. Cool. And it's You're like a spy. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, so it's interesting because they talk about that in this documentary, but then they also do that in this documentary. They're like, oh yeah, they'd fought before. Like we were making all this shit up, but then like, okay, so you're making all the shit up. You're probably making some of the shit up now. Exactly. But uh, the moment that I think that I wanted to talk about that I think is so interesting is Hogan is crying and he's saying, he's talking about how, how wonderful Andre is. But then he says, Andre, got me to where I needed to be for me and Vince to push this business forward. Like it immediately goes from this emotional moment into business into like we made money. Well, they set it up earlier, right? The Hogan is the one who says, 
uh, Andre knew sports entertainment. He knew it before any of us did. Yeah. And they set the scene for like, actually, it was his idea for us to use him up and literally kick him while he was down so we could get the business over. I don't know if that's true. I don't know where the WWE was around WrestleMania 3, but like you were already at WrestleMania 3. You were probably doing fine. Is this a historical, incredible match? Yes, obviously. Um, but the fact that they're like, oh, it, nothing, nothing, none of this would have happened. None of us would be here if Andre hadn't sacrificed himself and agreed <laughs> to get crushed. And it's like, no, they, they, they even say that like Vince talked to him and all of a sudden he was down for it. Vince goaded him into it. I, I think Andre knew what needed to be done, but... Um, I don't think that it was as dramatic a moment as they make it of like, Hogan didn't know the finish. Was he going to put him over? Like, yeah, of course he's going to fucking put him over. And uh, like, I think it was, the reason it was such a big moment was because Andre was such a big star and he was on the way out. But the idea that like, you know, he died for our sins or whatever is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I... Uh, well, because I really love where they ask Vince and like Vince gets choked up. And that's what a lot of people have that question of. Do you think it was real? Um, we Vince McMahon is interesting when he's asking questions he hasn't been prepped on. And the other thing we watch for this is he sweats even more. He sweats even he's more. So sweaty. Uh, do I think Vince's tears are real? Yes. Do I think they're real for the reason they're telling you they are? No. Oh, heavy. Uh, I think he, I think he's sad his friend is gone. I think he's sad that he didn't get him to have more surgery because he probably could have gotten more money out of him. I think he's sad that there's this stain on his legacy. If there was something in this documentary that Vince didn't want to be in this documentary, it wouldn't be in this documentary. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, do you think he's playing 4D chess? You know, do you think he's like a mastermind? <laughs> I, like- I don't think he's playing like 4D chess, but I do think, you know, he just he's willing to be hated for to get more of the money in, you know? All right. There's a point where they're talking about the different stars from every little faction before Cable came over. And my immediate thought was, I want a documentary about every single one of these guys. Yeah. Give me at least like 30 minutes on knowing their character and knowing who they were. I'm sure there is stuff that exists about the territory days. If anybody has a good recommendation for a documentary, hit us uh, up. Hit us up because that sounds fun. The stuff with the loudmouths, I thought, was so funny. Wait, so what is a loudmouth? They say in the documentary that he didn't like the loudmouths because he didn't like Macho Man or Andy Savage, and he didn't like the Iron Sheik. Oh, that just literally means loud guys. He's loud okay, guys, yeah. Like oh, no, it's, I know what you mean. I'm just kind of like, is that wrestling terminology? Oh, no. Okay. You're saying injured. I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, where he doesn't like the loudmouths, and I was kind of watching that and wondering... If the reason for that is because... Loudmouth s- is a portmanteau of loud and mouth. <laughs> <laughs> is you, you're wondering if they're saying that, if he didn't like them, did he not like them because they were disrespectful? Did he not like them because they were good at promotions and that was maybe his one sort of failing in his prime because he was difficult to understand? Yeah, that's kind of where I was. That what I was thinking when you said that. Because yeah. he was clearly like, you know... He had that that sort of language barrier. He and communicated physically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, yeah. I like there's Gene Okerlund says um, he wasn't very articulate, but he spoke in other ways, which but. I thought was a very poetic way to say that. <laughs> this is such a <laughs> we've said that a, like, about Kota. Right. We 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 have talked about other wrestlers <laughs> using similar terms of like there's this one guy named Kota Ibushi who is like one of the best wrestlers in the world who literally gave an interview where he said he doesn't trust books because they make him use his imagination <laughs> and he doesn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's like a fucking genius of wrestling. So oh. like, he speaks. In other ways, well, you know, I that, love that euphemism. That's a very like academic, intellectual way that somebody would describe like a dancer or something. Yeah. It's just very funny to be like Andre <laughs> speaks by breaking tables. Yeah, it's how he expresses himself. <laughs> you should respect his communication <laughs> yeah. and learn He's an his language. Man. Yeah, <laughs> Andre expresses himself by drinking four bottles of wine. <laughs> 
all at the same time with one hand. <laughs> I yeah, they I the, will they talk about like how large his hands are, everything. Rick Flair first shows up in this documentary by giggling about Andre's penis. It and is, it is so it is the first time you see him. It's like 20 minutes into the documentary. He's so Rick charming. Rick Flair has not been in there yet and then he's just like, "Well, he had size 24 feet and then just starts laughing. <laughs> Rick Flair should host the gong show. He's so charming. Like, I wanted, like, you just. Speaking of, piece, speaking of pieces of shit, that guy's a piece of shit. Rick Flair? Yeah, he's uh, bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, who isn't really? A lot uh, of charming scumbags in wrestling. Who knew? But, I believe a man named Rick Flair would lie to us. Yeah. <laughs> But we love his daughter as a performer. She's great. But I, he's so charming in this that I immediately was like, oh, I love my wacky uncle Ric Flair. <laughs> Have you seen the 21 Savage video he's in? No. Oh, my God. I'll show it to you. I'll watch it It's very this. funny. But he's just like, the Ric Flair, he has these obviously like big fake veneers in. He's just happy to be there. He's happy to be on camera. He's happy to be like vamping once again. And he vamps not that much. They give most of their time to Hogan. But he looks good, by the way. He like almost died earlier this year. Yeah. And he like seems fine. I'm kind of curious when this was shot because yeah. Shane McMahon went to the hospital for diverticulitis and he's in this too. That. You had that? I had that like a year ago. What are you okay? Fu- are you I'm, good? I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a doctor and they were like, yeah, people usually don't get this until like 40. <laughs> that is, again, a very Jake Flores thing to happen. Yeah. yeah, I was just shitting blood for a while. And I had to finally just go to the hospital and they were like, this is diverticulitis. That's for 40-year-olds. I didn't know that. And it says a lot of you that you like just casually had that you didn't like me I thought it would go away when I, <laughs> I like, thought I'd stop shitting blood eventually I, yeah because sometimes you run out of blood so like technically you were right uh, yeah. eventually I will Medicine just shit all of my work. insides out and I'll just be a hollow bag yeah. of skin I'm glad you're not doing that anymore it's insane I'm better they just fixed it with uh, uh, antibiotics Oh, that's a worked shoot. That's Antibiotics. All, that's all lies. <laughs> um, I'm glad you're not doing that. But because Shane McMahon had diverticulitis, they ha- he had diverticulitis, and then they worked it into a um, <laughs> into an angle for a match yeah, where they was, they he's said running that, to the bathroom and stuff all the time. <laughs> no, they were like so there was like a whole storyline where these two uh, gimmick is two of his have IBS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're like oh. a heel. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made it a thing where like uh, they, these two guys like beat him up, and then they were like, he was rushed to the hospital, and it's like he was rushed to the hospital because he was shitting too much. Like it's not, they didn't do that to him. Oh man, that rules. I like speaking of this is just a very quick aside. It was very funny to me that he was the giant fairy, and then he came to America, and they were like, we can't call you the yeah. giant fairy. <laughs> we have to change your name. Oh yeah, because well, fairies in Europe are much different than they are here. No, it wasn't fairy like F A R. Why it was there's a yeah. French folk hero whose last name Ferret. was Ferret. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, but they were like, that sounds like the giant fairy. We can't <laughs> call you that. Very funny. Yeah, I. Well, that's also very classic Carney stuff where like just some guy came up with it and it's like well I'm Andre the Giant now I guess yeah they're like what's your real name Andre great you're Andre the Giant go out there and uh, stomp around so beautifully Carney (laughs) I'm just kind of like you're John the big hand you're John big it's just it's so good (laughs) it's funny to me that the wrestlers always it's like someone goes you're this and then they're like "All right," like they just take it like that I've heard a couple stories about like uh, the Rock's old personas he had before he was like the Rock Rocky Malvia. Yeah. He got just like a couple things thrown at him and he he was just kind of like, I'm here to wrestle like whatever. Now I'm the rock. I'll just go with it if it's working or whatever. I don't know. It just goes counterintuitive to what I would think. Like I would think you you, you stay up all night coming up with your persona or whatever, but it's really like your manager's just like, this is what we're doing now, you know? Yeah, it depends on, it depends on where you start and like what kind of person you are. You develop your persona sometimes. Because that's what I would fixate over. 
I would be up all night trying to come up with a cool, funny joke. You know? do you what have, would be do you your have wrestling a... persona? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, like Tom Waits traveling hobo guy. That'd yeah, be pretty you're sick. kind of a hobo. What, um, do you, what do you think you're... Do, would you have like a good name for your finisher? Um, so like uh, the soup can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the soup can. Yeah. Why, I think you, you would also be... If your gimmick were that you're a crusty... Yeah. yeah, that'd be good. Be I was fun. just talking uh, today about how so our West Coast producer Hunk Tears wants to start a um, cooperatively owned leftist wrestling promotion called Work- Workers World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> and we were just talking today about how we really want uh, an Antifa faction. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. I think that'd be sweet. Also, the other thing I thought of was uh, a Danny Fatante-esque heel, heel manager. <laughs> I think would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> that would rule. <laughs> That's such a specific joke for like such a specific group of people but yeah but they God, all listen rules. to this show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just down. I think the the crusty wrestler whoever they may be should also have like the dog with the yeah, pack yeah, on yeah, it yeah, yeah. to <laughs> lead to the, the ring the I feel vest. like uh, you know who's sort of like that kind of is Darby Allen. I yeah, feel like Jake would like Darby Allen. I just okay. I've spent a lot of time think I've spent leading into this wrestlers that Jake would like um Zack Sabre Jr. Oh obviously. yeah the, he's like a uh socialist um British dude <laughs> who knows who, Corbin. He's oh, cool. friends with Corbin. <laughs> um he sells t-shirts that say I fight with my brain and an underlying hatred of the British Conservative Party. Um <laughs> one of his fin- one of his finishers is named after a Stuart Lee joke and uh wow. another one is named after um a Smith song. He's rad. Wow, that is <laughs> very British. <laughs> uh, and he's also, also he's terrifying. He's a little demon. Yeah, I love that. Cool. Uh, you would, I think you would like Alistair Black. Okay. He's he's a, a Satanist, but he's a baby face. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has a he Instagram has, dedicated to his cat. His his like catchphrase, his wrestling catchphrase is like no like no man is all good or all evil. Oh, like he's it. fully a satanist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and one of the funniest things he does is when he like turns he like does some sort of forward flip and then he lands sitting like like calm Indian yoga style, yeah. meditating style, yeah, yeah. which is like the most atheist thing you can do. Of right. like you didn't make me mad. I'm just stretching. Yeah. <laughs> I oh. There's, there's a couple guys you'd like. I don't know if we're ever going to... You've said you want No, I'm down. You're uh, down? You got me. I'm, I'm ready yes. to watch this Yay. shit. Another one. Uh, <laughs> I still... I mean, we're talking about how it's like sort of very cynically produced, but I still cried a bunch of times. Oh. I cried when they were talking about his ranch in South Carolina, where it was like the only place where he really felt comfortable. Yeah. At the end, when they show his um, the specially made chair... <gasps> Oh yeah! Oh my god! That his family made for him so he could be comfortable. It's just like, again, this this poor man living in this world that is not for him. I cried so sad at his uh, friend crying that he couldn't be there. Oh yeah, his assistant. It haunts him. It haunts him, and it's so sad. Uh, I kept thinking about what it would like to what it would be like to be a giant living in a world where all beers are like very tiny <laughs> so you have to and drink and you love beers and you have to drink 50 of them instead of just like one normal sized for your body <laughs> beer <laughs> there's a this is there's like a, a good picture of him holding a beer can yeah that they it. show in the documentary and it's like it's it's like a fucking thimble it's like him doing a shot yeah, like, yeah I don't know why they in the beer commercial why they didn't have him hold a bigger beer yeah <laughs> they make them that's big. a Good, that's a good, you know, marketing gimmick of like, wow, you too can drink Andre the Giant's big beer. Yeah. <laughs> like the Heineken mini kegs are just a beer for him. Yeah. It's wild. But the, the final thing about this is that if you want to think about it, I guess, in the sort of smarkier way that we're dissecting this is that it's a really great documentary about wrestling itself, about here's the show, here are the villains, here are the heroes, and here's the story we want to tell. And when you think about that, it's still a really beautiful thing that they created. Yeah. Uh, and I give I it a thumbs it. up. I loved it. I it's I will probably watch it again. I mean, I just I guess who do else do we want to see documentaries on now? I want to I want to watch a Ric Flair one. I want a Bruno Sammartino one. Oh, he's there's the, gonna be one. There's, be. I think they said they're gonna make one. Um, yeah, he's he just died. He was like oh. a big he was the hero. one where they were talking about how Hogan was for the Irish Americans, Bruno Sammartino was for the Italians, oh. and he's he's like a folk hero in like Italian American yeah. culture. Are we sure it wasn't a hit? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
All right. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, uh, this is a great episode. As always, uh, if you like and want to support this show, you can uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. That always helps. Leave us a review. If you want to reach out, we're WrestleSplania at gmail.com, WrestleSplania on Twitter, on SoundCloud, on Instagram. Uh, and I do believe we have some plugs for Jake this week because Jake is going on tour. Yes. 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 Come see Jake. Come see Jake. He's very funny. He's a good man. You could tell him about wrestlers that you think he'd like. <laughs> His eyes will glaze over, but he'll still appreciate it. He will. Hey, we're gonna glaze <laughs> over anyway. Glazed, like he's listening. We know him. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you can follow me online at Feral Jokes on everything. I've got my tour dates pinned in case you can't remember all this. But here we go. I am coming. Uh, I'm opening for my pal Mishka Shubali, who is a uh, fantastic, very depressing musician. <laughs> He's really um, good. And writer. And writer. Um, he's great. Uh, we're doing a bunch of crazy bars and house shows. I'm going to update them because some of them have changed from house show to bar or bar to house show back. But I'm going to... Uh, on the 20th of May, Morgantown, West Virginia. Then after that, Detroit, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, Oakville, Illinois, Kansas City, um, Hutchinson, Kansas at something called the Dirty Leprechaun. <laughs> that's some wrestling that, shit. I was just going to say, that's a wrestling name. <laughs> and then I'll be in Denver for like a week. Oh, and Pittsburgh's in there somewhere. Um, anyway. Here we I'll, have I'll listeners in Pittsburgh. Oh, cool. Actually, like Jake's the 18th or 19th, I'll be yeah. in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, so uh, come check it out. DM me for invites on some of those house shows. And, you know, just follow me online, catch all my stuff. Yeah, uh, if you're Homeland Security, leave Jake alone. Oh, hello. If you're Homeland Security, <laughs> I'm sorry you had to listen to every podcast I did this week. <laughs> This is how I'm getting back at you. I was just going to say revenge. <laughs> I know. Uh, Homeland Security, you can also like and subscribe. Uh, yeah. We love you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for supporting. And we'll see. You, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Word.